Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. your Bibles, open them up, please. Here probably be the easiest way for most of you to do this. Hold it just like this. Take your thumb, go to the center of the Bible, and it should, unless you have a huge, thick study Bible with like 500 pages of concordance, it should open up to the book of Psalms. Are you there? If you hold it in the middle, this is a reference point. You put your thumbs in the middle and you open it up somewhat right in the middle. It should fall somewhere in the book of Psalms. Are you there? Now I want you to turn to the right. After you go through the book of Psalms, you'll hit the book of Proverbs. You'll hit the book of Ecclesiastes. And I want you to land in the book that's called the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. Okay? Are you there? I feel sometimes if I just say turn to the Song of Songs or to the Song of Solomon, we're like, duh. So I thought I'd help you and guide you right there in uh, an easy transition into the Scripture text today. Our D6 theme, and this is what we are studying Church One in all of our small groups, as well as our Sunday morning Sunday school session with, uh, with all, of our, all of our classes. Our theme this week is Ideal Love. And we're going to be looking into the Song of Solomon and discovering what this ideal love looks like. But you see, the goal for this week is that we would embrace and exemplify love as God intended it to be. That we would embrace and exemplify love as God intended for it to be. So before we go any further, let me just lead us in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you. Lord, once again, for all that you're doing, thank you for being an awesome God, a great God. Father, I pray now for the preaching and the teaching of our word, the Word of God today. I ask you, Lord, to open our hearts and our minds and help us to receive what thus saith the Lord. God, there's so much to say in this message this morning. I pray, dear Lord, you'd give me clarity of thought and of mind and process and and impress upon my spirit and my heart the very words that you would have spoken this morning. And help me, Lord, to deliver them in the very manner that you would have them delivered. And I pray that when we walk away that, that we would have some tools from the Word of God to help us embrace and exemplify this great thing that you call love. Thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts. There's one today that is not in a right relationship with you. I pray, dear God, that you would draw that one to you today. May today be the day when, when people get things settled with you. When people ask you into their heart and into their life to be their Lord and their Savior and recommit their lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This past week, I must be honest with you, I have thoroughly enjoyed. Now, I, I realize we introduced the theme on Sunday. 
and we study it all week long. But it's almost myself how I've got to continue studying that theme, but I also have to study the following week's theme to get ready to preach and share the message for what we're going to be talking about on that Sunday so that we all can go and talk about it that that week. So this week I have been really digging a lot into the song of Solomon, the song of of songs. And I've thoroughly enjoyed looking and studying in this in this book. I'll be honest with you, you probably will not hear a whole lot of preaching or teaching out of the song. I call it the Song of Solomon. You probably won't hear a lot out of that. Uh, this book of the Bible, for some reason, uh, is, is a book that brings a lot of confusion on a lot of people. And a lot of times people have a hard time understanding exactly what's taking place in this book. But this morning, I want us to look at, I want us to examine some of the ingredients that are necessary to have and to know God and to have love. I'm going to talk, call it ingredients for intimacy. Ingredients for intimacy. Now, as we look into the Song of Solomon, here we find one of the greatest love stories in, in the entire Bible. But also, as you study and read the book of Solomon, or Song of Solomon, you'll find that it really is kind of a strange book. And sometimes we wonder, why is that in the Bible? Well, the reason it is because God wants to teach us how to love. And He wants to teach us how to have intimacy. Matter of fact, there's a lot of confusion with the word of, or with the Song of Solomon. But here in this book, we have the story of King Solomon and the love that he has for his lover. And it's expressed here in this book. It expresses the deep intimacy that Solomon and his lover have for each other. Now, as I've already mentioned, many times this book is misunderstood. And sometimes we ask the question, why is this book even in the Bible? Well, I think whenever we're trying to answer that question, we must ask, is it just simply a love story to possibly brighten a frustrating day that we may be having? Is it simply just a love story? Or, or we may ask, is it some type of literary example of Eastern poetry in how they wrote? And, or could it be and could it contain a great message from God for us? I tend to lean on the latter. I think in the Song of Solomon there's a tremendous message from God to us. Now, I believe as we study the Song of Solomon... I believe there is a, a two images that you should see. I want you to visualize, if you will, if I can try to paint a word picture here for you, I want you to visualize a railroad track. And there are two tracks that are going down through the countryside. And I think we see this in the Song of Solomon. In one track we see Solomon and his lover. And the intimacy that they are sharing one with another as husband and wife and as, as lovers one to another, you see that physical intimacy on the one track. But at the very same time, I think we can see in the Song of Solomon, we can see the bride of Christ and the groomsman himself. And by the way, the Bible teaches that we, the church, are the bride of Christ. 
And Jesus Christ Himself is the groom. And here we can see a love relationship at the same time that we see the love relationship between King Solomon and his lover, we can also see this intimate relationship between a loving God and his church, the bride. Oh, church, if we could just get a hold of this psalm or this song, if we could get a hold of this book, if we could just start dissecting and, and implementing and living out and developing and having an understanding of what true, biblical, godly intimacy is all about, it would revolutionize our marriages, it would revolutionize our churches, it would revolutionize our personal, intimate relationship with Christ. Amen? But I think oftentimes we go to the Bible, we look at it as a set of laws and rules and commands, and, and we become very legalistic, we become very hard, we become very calloused with the Word of God, and, and we, it's almost like we, we, we laugh at people when the judgment of God falls on them because we say, bless God, if you just line up with the Word of God, you wouldn't have each... Why can't we have that intimacy? Why can't we have that, that love in the church and in our relationship with Christ and also in our relationship as husband and wife with our lover? Some of you are nervous, and my wife probably is the most nervous one sitting here today. I told her that I was going to be preaching out of this book, and I hope I did not embarrass her today, but I want you as a church to know that I am in love with one woman. I want you as a church to know that I enjoy the intimate relationship that I have with my wife because I think it's biblical, I think it's godly, and it's centered in the Word of God. And every man and every husband ought to try to grow deeper in his relationship with his wife to where they have pure, godly intimacy. And by the way, a lot of times whenever we mention intimacy... A lot of times the mind goes straight to the sexual aspect of it. I'm not even talking about that area of it. I'm talking about true intimacy and love in each other that goes far deeper than just the physical sexual activity in a relationship and in a marriage. And the only way that we can go deep in our intimacy one with another in our relationship and our marriage is to go deep in our love relationship in intimacy with Christ. I promise you, your, your relationship in your marriage and the, the level of intimacy in your marriage, I promise you, will not go any deeper than the level of intimacy that you have in your relationship with the person, Jesus Christ. God wants to teach us what love looks like. Unfortunately, instead of having this wonderful, intimate, almost fresh and intimate relationship and intimacy with Christ, unfortunately and sadly, we as a church and as believers get caught up in religious matters, personal interests judgmental spirits looking at people and judging them instead of having this intimacy with Christ. You know what I resigned? The position that I resigned many, many years ago was trying to be the Holy Spirit for Victory Church. That will drive you to an early grave 
that will cause you to be a miserable person. I can't be your Holy Spirit. I can't govern your life. I can share with you the truth of God's Word. But I hope and pray as you take some of the principles and the truths that I'm going to share, I hope and pray that it will lead to a level of intimacy far deeper with Christ than you have ever experienced in your life. Sometimes people just use Jesus as a fire escape. Just a get-out-of-hell-free card. Boop, got my card. It's punched. Don't go, not going to hell. Hallelujah. Oh, Christ has so much more for you than that. I hope and pray that Jesus becomes far more than just a fire escape ticket for you. And that only takes place when I think we start implementing three ingredients that will help you in your intimacy. But before I go there, as we look and we study throughout the Song of Solomon, here we see Solomon as a picture or a type of of Christ himself. And he continually is loving on this, this woman throughout this song, or the Song of Solomon. And we are that woman as the church, the bride of Christ. And do you realize that as he points out all the wonderful things that he loves about his lover, that he rarely, if ever, asks of her to do anything with the exception of one occasion. And I'm going to be different places throughout the Song of Solomon. But I want you to look in chapter 2 and verse 14. Here's the one occasion where Solomon asked his lover to do something for him. In Solomon chapter 2 and verse number 14, it says, My dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crevices of the cliff, get this, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Now, all this is by way of introduction before I get into the three ingredients. But church, let me tell you something. First of all, God wants to have a face-to-face relationship with you. He wants to see your face. He wants to hear your voice. He wants to share life with you. And I wonder, church, how often do we even on a daily basis enter into the presence of a holy God just to build the intimacy in our relationship with Him, just to spend some time with Him, just to hear His voice, just to see His face, just to feel His gentle touch, or... Do we only go to God when we got a problem? Do we only go to God when things are a mess? Well, honey, let me tell you something. The reason things are a mess and the reason things are a problem is because you've not been spending possibly enough time with Him. I promise you, church, without His hand on your life, without Him leading you and guiding Him, guiding you, without Him directing you, without having an intimate love, relationship with a holy God, you are destined to make mistake after mistake, poor decision after poor decision that's going to lead you down a road of heartache and trouble. Oh, if we could just experience God. If we could just experience Him. Song of Solomon, railroad track, two rails, one the story of King Solomon and his, his lover. The other, a picture of Christ and his church. Solomon the king, 
Christ the King, His lover, His bride, the church, His bride. We see these parallels in the Song of Solomon. I want you to keep that word picture as you study this fantastic book. Now, quickly, let me try to share with you. Let me try to share with you three ingredients. I want you, if you will, to jot this first one down. Ingredients for intimacy, number one, is this. Attraction. Let me ask you a question. Whenever you're thinking about your lover, whenever you're thinking about your bride, whenever you're thinking, ladies, about your husband, whenever you're thinking for those that are dating your girlfriend or your boyfriend, let me ask you a question. What is it that first attracted you or drew you to your partner? What are those qualities? What are those attributes? What is it that attracted you to the person that you now share life with today? Well, I remember in my own personal life, back in 1980, I was a sophomore at Eastburg High School in what you would probably call Ikerd. We call Ikerd. Ikerd. North Carolina. Now, there I stayed after school. I played on the football team and, and I went out for, for basketball and we were having basketball tryouts there. And at our high school, we only had 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. The 9th graders were at the junior high level. We had, we had junior highs all over the county that fed into one of our two high schools in our area. And so when you came from these other junior highs, you really didn't know the other people in the other junior highs. I mean, I'm talking about they're literally towns away. It would be like Muscoota and O'Fallon and Belleville all coming together in one high school. And that's kind of how we were. So therefore, I was a Hildebrand boy. My wife today was a Valdez girl. Hildebrand boys and Valdez girls did not date. Hello? I mean, there was a line. I mean, it was an unspoken line. But you didn't cross over into the next town to date. You stayed within your own. So whenever I got to East Burke, I didn't know the Valdez girls. And I couldn't stand the Valdez guys. We played them in football. We played them in baseball. We played them in basketball. They were the enemy. And granted, we were their enemy. So here, if you can picture this, here we are in August of 1980. Here we are in August of 1980, and we're all coming together on the same football team, and the first thing the coach had to do was get us to even like each other. I mean, you would not believe the fights that broke out in football practice in August. We're all on the same team, but we didn't like each other. That was a huge dynamic we had to overcome. Playing basketball in that later fall of that year, in 1980... I saw this girl on the basketball court. Now, she was the left-handed point guard for the varsity basketball team. She was hot. I mean, she caught my eye. I mean, I saw her, I saw her shoot free throws. I'm thinking, man, that's a nice shot. Perfect rotation on the ball. Great form, everything. I saw her running around and dribbling the ball. I think, man, she can handle that ball pretty good. And then I'm thinking, come on, guys, stay with me. And then I'm thinking, man, those are some good-looking legs. Okay? 
I mean, I'm just trying to share with you some of the qualities and the attributes that attracted me to her. And I asked one of my buddies, hey, who's that girl? Oh, she's a Valdez girl. I want to get to know this Valdez girl. Who is this Valdez girl? And they said, that's Debbie. That's Debbie Berry. And I said, man, I, I like her. So we started kind of this, this attraction kind of started. And if she was here preaching today, she would probably tell you the attraction was something like this. Who is that guy that just walked by? I mean, I was kind of known for smelling good, even back in high school. And, and I wore, and guys, you can probably relate to this, some of you old-timers my age. It's out there on the shelves today, but not many guys buy it today. But you remember the musk cologne? I mean, that was in my Christmas stockings. That was all my birthday gifts. I mean, I went through cases of that stuff. I mean, I always had musk cologne. And I'd put that stuff on, and I'd walk by and say, Man, he smells good. That's what she'd tell you. There's probably other things that attracted her, but I know, or attracted her to me, but I know that was one of them. I've heard her tell that story. So I need to get to know this girl. And for some reason, I don't know why it happened, she started dating my best friend, Bert Smith. And he's a Hildebrand boy, and he, she started dating him. I'm like, hmm. So I started dating her best friend. Kim, true story, she'll validate every bit of this. And if Ethel was here, she would even tell you the rest of the story. That Christmas, 1980, I was dating her best friend. I really didn't like her best friend. I liked her. But because we're all best friends, Debbie's mom and dad said, Hey, why don't we take all you guys to, to McCaddenville, Brother Tommy? And see the Christmas lights. Now, McCaddenville was a town outside of Charlotte, and, and they had tremendous Christmas lights, even to this day. And people would drive from everywhere to go through this town to see the, the Christmas lights. I mean, we'd pull off the interstate and sit for hours just to get through this town on, and see these Christmas lights. Well, the four of us are sitting in the back seat. Debbie's mom and dad in the front seat. The four of us are in the back. It's me, Kim, Debbie, Bert. And I'm thinking, I've got to do something about this. So as we're going through, we get into McCaddenville. At some place we stop, we get out of the car, and I pull Ethel aside. And I said, Ethel, I like Debbie. Of course, her eyes are getting that big now. She sees there's trouble in the house. And, and I said, just write it down. She will be mine. And Ethel will validate this. You ask her. She'll validate this. But here's what I'm trying to say. There was, a, there was an attraction that attracted me to her. And I could tell you more and more stories. I could even tell you how all this unfolded. And if you want to hear it, i got to tell you later. i got to move on. But there was an attraction. I mean, she was hot. She was athletic. She had great-looking legs. She could shoot a free throw. She knew how to be a point guard. She could handle the basketball. I was very athletic. We just enjoyed That drew me to her. Let me ask you a question on the spiritual side. What drew you to Christ? What is it that drew you? What was the attraction? What first attracted you to the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm reminded of the verse of Scripture in Isaiah 53 in verse number 2. We're speaking about Jesus and it said that He had no beauty. He had no majesty to attract us to Him. Nothing in His appearance that we should desire Him. Looking at Him, there was nothing 
physically that would draw us to him. But what is it that attracted you to Jesus? The world never presented Christ in an attractive way to us. Never. What was it maybe possibly that attracted you to him? Possibly it was his unconditional love. Possibly it was the promise of his forgiveness. Maybe even the promise of his peace. Maybe it was a desire for Him to heal you, either physically or spiritually. But what is it? What is it that attracted you Attracted you to Christ? Do you remember a time, church, when you could not stop thinking about the wonder of God? You remember how it was when you were a new believer and, and man, you just couldn't spend enough time with God and you couldn't get into His Word enough? And, and when you were a new believer, all you wanted to do was hang out at the church and hang out with other Christian friends and get into the Word of God and, and you wanted to discover His power and you wanted to know about His gentleness and you wanted to know about His justice and you wanted to know about His mercy and you wanted to know about His patience and you wanted to know about His, about His tenderness? What's changed? Why is it that we're no longer attracted to him. What's happening? If you look in Solomon chapter 1 and verse 5 through 11, I want you to see this. God finds you amazingly attractive. You say, he just doesn't know, but yes, he does. He knows everything about you. And he still finds you attractive. Song of Solomon chapter 1. I want you to look at verses 5. This is the Shulamite woman. Now, this is a woman that was very, very insecure. And possibly some of you are insecure. You may be insecure in your physical relationship, and you may, may be very insecure in your spiritual relationship. Here is, here is Solomon's lover, and she is very insecure with herself. Listen to what she says in verse number 5. Daughters of Jerusalem, I am dark like the tents of Kedar, yet lovely like the curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I am dark, for the sun has gazed on me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me a keeper of the vineyards, and I have not kept my own vineyard. Tell me, you, the one I love, where do you pasture your sheep? Where do you let them rest at noon? Why, why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? Do you hear the insecurity of the young woman that's crying out to her lover, King Solomon? And she says, listen, verse 6, do not stare at me. You know, she's concerned about her appearance. She doesn't think she's very attractive. She says, I labor outside. My skin is now dark from laboring in the vineyards. I have really nothing to offer. Why do you even find me attractive? Sometimes... People fall into that same boat, spiritually and physically, and they have tremendous insecurities in their life. And get this, church, I want you to know something. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've experienced. I don't care what kind of family you were raised in. I don't care what your background is. I want you to know that our God in heaven, He loves you with a supreme love, and He finds you amazingly attractive, and He wants to have an intimate spiritual relationship with you. Look what Solomon said. The man says, the man, all through the Song of Solomon, there's a woman speaking, there's a man speaking, there's young women speaking, and you've got to be able to break that down to rightly divide and understand this strange book. But the man speaks in verse number 8, if you do not know, most beautiful woman. You see, in verse number 6, she says, what, even, what do you even find attractive about me? 
And he says, oh, if you only knew. If you do not know, most beautiful woman. In other words, King Solomon will say, I am so attracted to you. You, my lady, are so beautiful. And guys, on the physical side, how often we need to be telling our wives that she is beautiful. We need to be letting her know that we love her. You get on through the the Song of Solomon, you'll find it gets very intimate, even sexually. And you'll even see. And we need to voice that to our bride. We need to let her know that it's only in her that we find true satisfaction. We love her. We need to express that. And vice versa, ladies, to the guys. I know you don't hear this preached a whole lot. But this is that ideal love. And if we're going to have intimacy with our with our bride and ladies with your husband, and if we're going to have intimacy with Christ, then we must have, first of all, this attraction. Solomon said in verse number 8, If you do not know, most, most beautiful of women. He didn't say you're a beautiful woman. He said you're far more beautiful than all women. Guys, let me tell you who I think the prettiest woman in here today is. It's my wife. The most beautiful woman in the whole world is Debbie Barry Cannon. And hopefully, men, you will argue with me right there. Because your wife, you should think, is the most beautiful woman. Hello? Come on. Ladies, at least do punch him or something right there, okay? Verse number eight, if you do not know, most beautiful woman, follow the tracks of my flock and pasture your young goats near the shepherd's tent. I compare you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are beautiful with jewelry, your neck with its necklace. We will make gold jewelry for you and accent with silver. In other words, he's saying you are the most beautiful thing that I have ever set my eyes on. I want to put you up and make you like a trophy. I want to accent you with gold and silver. You You, my lady, are beautiful. Guys, do you realize that's King Solomon talking to his bride? But on the spiritual side, that's God talking to us. Church, quit trying to please God. You'll never be able to do it in and of yourself. It's almost like we have this mentality that I gotta just keep doing good to get God to love me, and I gotta be, be obedient to all of His commands to get God to love me, and I've got to do more for the church to get God to love me, or, or I've got, yeah, let's quit trying to get God to love you. He loves you, regardless of what you do. Now, I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. And because we have an intimate relationship with Him, it should drive us to want to do more for Him. But don't try to do more for Him to gain love from Him. Are you getting this, church? If we're going to have intimacy with our bride and in our marriages, then we must find each other attractive. And we must tell each other how attracted we are to them. We must let our eyes gaze on our own flock, men. Don't be checking out. And I'm going to use the word that Solomon used here in verse number 9 where he says, I compare you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Men, do not be checking out other guys' mares. Keep your eyes, let your gaze settle on your bride. And I promise you, the longer you look at her through the eyes of Jesus and the longer you look at her and you accent on the things that are attracted, the more you will be attracted to her. The reason, guys, you start getting attracted or you lose the attraction to your spouse is because you've let your eyes and your heart and your gaze over in some other man's pasture. Hey, I'm just trying to preach the truth this morning. I hope, I hope somebody's getting some of this. Amen? 
to have intimacy. The Shulamite woman was so concerned about her appearance that she wonders how Solomon could be attracted to her. Solomon's response, you're the most beautiful of all women. Let me ask you, church, has Christ ceased being attractive to you? Has the world and the things of the world become more attractive to you? The Apostle Paul mourns over one of his friends, Demas, who this was true of. In 2 Timothy 4.10, it says, Demas, Paul saying, Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. Spiritually, ladies and gentlemen, if we look at the things of the world and we allow the things of the world to get our heart, it's going to pull us away from God. It's going to be spiritual adultery. Ingredient number one is attraction. Ingredient number two is this, affection. Ingredient number two is affection. If we're going to have true intimacy with our Lord and even intimacy in our marriages and in our relationships, yes, there must be that attraction, but secondly, there must be affection. Look, if you will, in Song of Solomon, chapter 5, and verse number 10 through 16. I want you to turn there in your Bibles, please. Song of Solomon 5, verse 10 through 16. It says, my love is fit. This is the woman speaking of King Solomon, of the man. My love is fit and strong and notable among 10,000. His head is pure as gold. His hair is wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like dove beside streams of water, washed in milk and set like jewels. His cheeks are like beds of spice and towers of perfume. His lips are lilies dripping with flowing myrrh. His arms are rods of gold set with topaz. His body is an ivory panel covered with sapphires. His legs are alabaster pillars set on pedestals of pure gold. His presence is like Lebanon, as majestic as the cedars. His mouth is sweetness. Get this. He is absolutely desirable. Listen to what she says. This is my love and this is my friend. Who's she telling this to? Young women of Jerusalem. You know what she's showing to her husband? Affection. In any relationship where there's intimacy and where we grow stronger in our intimacy, whether in physical relationship of the marriage or in our spiritual relationship with Christ, there must be this affection, this love that we show one to another. Every relationship that lasts is built on love and affection that we show to each other. Hello? On the spiritual side, if you remember over in the book of Revelation... You remember the church of Ephesus and how it talks about in Revelation chapter 2 in verse number 4. After the Lord compliments them on all the things they were doing right, He says, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. In other words, God was telling the church at Ephesus, You, my friends, have lost your affection for me. And you've forsaken your first love. On the spiritual side of things, church, let me ask you a question. Have you lost your affection for Christ and the things of Christ and the things of God? You know, Tyler was up here singing and it just made my heart swell and I was so excited to hear. He said, he's so pumped up, he's so fired up for God and the things of God. Man, I love that. Don't let that burn out because I promise you the things of the world will try to rob that from you. Maybe we as believers need to return to our first love. 
and have that new affection that we had for Jesus early on. Friends, He loves you. And He longs for you to have this love relationship with Him. In James chapter 4, write this reference down. In James chapter 4, it says that God yearns. That yearning means that deep-seated desire. I have a yearning. God yearns jealously, jealously for the loving devotion of the Spirit that He has implanted within us. I'm reminded whenever Peter denied our Lord and threw down his Bible and went back to his profession of fishing and after the crucifixion. And You remember in John 21 when Jesus was speaking to Peter? Do you realize that Jesus did not ask Peter to trust him? Jesus did not ask Peter to admire him. Jesus did not ask Peter to fear him. What did Jesus ask Peter to do? To love him. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Church, do you love him? Do you still have that deep affection for him? In the physical side of things, remember the visual, the railroad tracks, you have the bride of Christ and you have Christ himself, the church, and, and Christ in that relationship. You also have your marriage. Let me ask you a question. Are you showing affection at home? Wives, are you being affectionate towards your husbands? Husbands, are you showing affection and love towards your, towards your wives? If that relationship is going to last, that love and that affection must be there. Would you agree? Most marriages fall apart when affection is missing. And affection, get this, let this settle, affection usually is missing when you as a wife or you as a husband start taking each other for granted. We need to recognize that what we have in our wives, men, and ladies, what you have in your husband, we need to recognize that that is a beautiful gift from God. We need to remain attracted, and we need to remain affectionate. Man, there's so much more I could say about that. i got to stop. Let me go on a little further. The third ingredient is this. Attention. Not only do we need attraction, not only do we need affection, but we also need attention. What's clear through the Song of Solomon is that love can only grow when two people give the other or each other attention. When two people stop communicating, they stop giving each other attention, the affection then starts being missed, no longer attracted, and it probably started because you no longer communicate one with another. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 7, in verse number 11, the Bible says, Come, my love, let's go to the field. Let's spend the night among the henna blossoms. In other words, let's go on a date. Guys, listen. Marriages are being destroyed today because both husband and wife are so preoccupied with everything else in the world 
They're no longer giving each other undivided attention. I was at a funeral service this week for Dick Goodman over in Dix, Illinois. And Dick Goodman is the father of one of our church planters that's out in Arizona planting a church right now. And you guys remember Josh and, and Ashley Bennett that came here and shared. The other half of that church planting team is the Goodman family. And, and he was back in for the funeral and I got to speak with him briefly. And, but one of the things that I admired about their father, which I'd never met, but what a, what a tremendous celebration they had at his funeral. His son brought out a coffee cup and he set it up on the podium. And he said, let me ask you a question. And in Dix, Illinois, you may know the town, there's a little cafe there called Austin's. Austin's Restaurant. And he pulled up the cup of coffee, the little coffee cup, and he held it on the podium. And he said, I want to ask you a question. The funeral home was packed, standing room only. A couple hundred people there. At one o'clock in the afternoon, on Thursday or Friday of last week, whatever it was. And his oldest son got up and said, and his name was Rod, he got up and said, how many of you in this funeral home have sat down and had a cup of coffee with my dad at Austin's? Nearly every hand in that place went up. Mine did not go up. First time I'd ever been in Dix, Illinois. Matter of fact, when I left, I went by Austin's restaurant. I wanted to find out what this place was about. I didn't go in and eat. I just stopped and looked in the door, and it's just a little local diner. And Dick Goodman, every day when he got off work, before he went home, he would stop by Austin's and he would have a quick cup of coffee. Or in the morning before he would go to work, have a quick cup of coffee. Go home and take care of his family, do his thing. And then possibly even go back and have a cup of coffee. You know what he was doing? And I liked what his son said. He said, my dad knew how to give his attention to people. He knew how to communicate with people. He cared about people. And the way that he showed that he cared about people is that he would have coffee with just whoever. He never met a stranger. And just engage in conversation. Rod stood up and he pulled out his iPhone and he's got to talking about his family and the iPhones and the iPads. And he said, he said, I fear that the younger generation is losing the skill set of learning how to communicate and give attention one to another. Rod made this declaration. He said, at my house we can get together as a family and we were even together as a family before the funeral. And he said that everybody was on their iPhones, they were on their iPads, they were texting, they were tweeting, they were Facebooking, and we were not able to engage in a lot of conversation because everybody was preoccupied with Facebook and Twitter. I'm not against Facebook. I'm not against Twitter. I'm not against the iPhone or the iPad. All those things have their place. But church, our families are in trouble when we can't put down the iPhone, the iPad, the droid, we can't put down the laptop, we can't put down the computer, we can't get away from it enough to give each other some FaceTime. You want your marriage to fall apart? You stay on Facebook. You stay on Twitter. You disengage and don't give each other attention. You want the church to fall apart? You quit giving each other attention. You disengage in conversation. You disengage in FaceTime. Guys, I'm trying to tell you, if we're going to have intimacy one with another, with our Lord, in our relationships, with our spouses, in our marriages, 
in our church as a family, then we must have attraction for each other. We must show affection to each other. And we must give each other attention. Those are three ingredients. And boy, there's a lot more. I I listed several more. But I'm going to stop with that. I think that's enough. Ideal love. I just want you to know this. God desires to have a love relationship with you. Amen? In our marriages, we need to love each other. We need to be attracted to each other. We need to be affectionate to each other. And we need to give attention to each other. If not, we open the door for Satan to come in and drive a wedge in our marriage and wind up in divorce. Same thing spiritually. If we don't do these things spiritually, we allow Satan to come in, drive a wedge between us, and wind up in a backsliding condition far apart from God. I hope you can take what I've said. I hope and, hope and pray I shared this in love. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I just, I'm, just, I'm just passionate about the Word of God and what it teaches. I want us to live it, not just go through the motions, but live it. Let's pray. Father, as we commit this time of invitation to you, Lord, I just ask you that you would speak to our hearts. God, help us in our relationship with you. God, help us to return to our first love. Father, help us to remember those things that we were attracted to. Help us, God, to show affection to you. Dear Lord, help us to give you our attention. Father, may each of us find some time in our day to spend with you. In the song of Solomon, Solomon the king really only asked one thing of his lover. And that was to see her face and to hear her voice. God, that's what you ask of us. To see our face. To hear our voice spend time with you. God, help us to do that spiritually. As we get into the Word of God, as we read and study, as we pray, God, we need you. Help us to have intimacy with you. God, I pray also in our marriages and our relationships one with another. God, help us not to lose that attraction. Help us to look at our spouse and to be drawn to them. Help us to communicate how beautiful they are. Help us, God, not to lose that. Help us to show affection to each other. Help us to love each other. And help us to find time to give each other attention. Father, in our church family, help us to do these three things also. Help us to have intimacy as a church family. Not where the doors are closed and we don't allow others to to come in. Help our doors always to be open, our hearts always to be open to people. Help us to bring more and more people into our church family. But help us, God, to have intimacy one with another. Help us, God, to love each other. Help us to show forgiveness. Help us to administer grace, mercy, love, and affection 
to each other. Help us in our busy lives to spend time together. God, sometimes my heart gets troubled and I look over our congregation and I see people that, that just don't even come to church. That's like being in a marriage and not showing up at home after work. It leads to heartache. Help us to show our church family and give our church family attention. Father, in this invitation, have your will in your way. I commit, Lord, this time to you. I pray that you would speak to hearts. I pray, dear Lord, you would draw us unto yourself. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. That's victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can call, email, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109 in O'Fallon, Illinois. Or come check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.